Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Data in healthcare has never been meant to be static. We need to provide even greater scrutiny concerning these models and how they're applied and they make coverage decisions for life-saving biopharmaceuticals. Welcome back to Healthcare Matters, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, he's Dr. Robert Popovian joining us from Washington, D.C., a pharmacist, economist, and chief science policy officer at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And across the country in Seattle, Washington, he's Connor Mertens, patient advocate and community outreach manager at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And by the way, He's also waiting for his refund for his season tickets for the Seattle Mariners, since there's not going to be a baseball season as of today. So as we get into season two of the podcast, we're going to be covering even more ground than season one and what you need to know about healthcare economics and policies. Before we get started, we want to make sure that you take a listen to the other great podcasts on the GHLF podcast network. And there's a lot of great ones to check out. And if you haven't checked it out already, Talking Head Pain with Joko is a podcast that confronts head pain head on. And as a migraine patient advocate, Joe knows the power of speaking up and being proactive when managing his complex neurological conditions. Please go to ghlf.org forward slash listen and listen to all of the podcasts that are now being managed through Global Healthy Living Foundation. Great. And with that, let's take a look at a comment from one of our listeners. This week, Barbara writes, I enjoyed your episode about prior authorization and how insurance companies deny patients the medications their doctors prescribed. I'm glad this important information is out there for more patients to hear. Thanks for your review. We invite you too to go to Apple Podcasts and write a positive review and leave an honest five-star rating. And wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or the rest, click on that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. Let's start with this week's episode now. So, Robert, this week, we're going to be talking about these organizations that kind of have global influence, really, when it comes to patient care and access. And I was curious if you wanted to start us off, tell us what we should know about these kinds of organizations. What what are they called? What do they do? Connor, these organizations exist in almost every country. In the U.S., we have an organization called ICER. In U.K., United Kingdom, there's an organization called NICE. In Canada, there's Canadian Agency for Drug and Technology in Health. All of these organizations are basically trying to define a value and insert value as a component into models so that they may analyze appropriateness of payment for biopharmaceuticals. And they have even tried to sell these analytics to audiences with promises of substantial savings. In fact, in some of the cases, like in the United Kingdom with NICE, whatever recommendation NICE provides, National Health Services, which is the agency that provides healthcare in the United Kingdom, will follow their recommendations. And it is important to know about these groups because they're trying to define value and insert value into the healthcare system. But there are problems with that. So let's start there. How do these folks define value? What's wrong with defining value when it comes to medications, therapies, and treatments in the marketplace? There's nothing wrong. And in fact, if you look back, these organizations are utilizing legitimate analytical tools developed by economists. Economic analysis, such as qualities, for example, cost effectiveness, budget impact analysis, are important and they've been used in the past for defining whether or not certain interventions should occur. 
However, these analytical techniques were never meant to be applied as an ultimate arbiter of whether medicine is worth paying for. And that's the problem of how these things are being applied. In addition, just in the scope of defining value, if you put yourself on a patient's journey, a patient who has chronic disease or an acute disease may have multiple chronic diseases and acute diseases. It is as hard for it to be defined as a single value proposition, but then in addition to the entire disease area, you have to note that the patients are dealing with socioeconomic issues, health disparities issues, and those need to be also inserted. But the inherent problem with these organizations instituting value model for patients is that if the patient doesn't fit the profile, they're denied the therapy that may help them manage or cure their disease. Just as no individual health is average, no individual's life choice and values are average. And that's the problem. So it sounds like they're using legitimate tools, but in a misleading or narrow way. Is that kind of an oversimplification of it? These are legitimate tools. They've been used by economists for many decades and years, and we even use it in our household. You judge whether or not to spend something or another. But what the problem is that a lot of these institutions have been given the carte blanche to be able to use these findings to make specific decisions on coverage decisions. So when it comes to like ICER here in the US, what happens if a drug ends up on one of their proverbial lists? What is the repercussion of that for patients? If they find that the product doesn't meet the standard level of quality, for example, a lot of institutions can use that data to deny coverage. Now, fortunately in the United States, we don't have a mandate similar to United Kingdom. But the whole purpose of ICER is to be able to convince people for them to become the arbiter of this decision making. And that's the problem. And in the US, we're not there yet. The information can be used by insurers, by the pharmacy benefit management companies, or by the government. But what ICER is striving towards is to become another organization such as NICE, United Kingdom, where they utilize the data without any kind of questioning and they utilize the data to make coverage decisions. From year to year, can medications move to and from these lists? And then what happens to patients that are stable on, in their health on one of these medications? Absolutely, they can, because these reports are static. And data in healthcare has never been meant to be static. There's absolutely ways that patients can be denied care after they've been on a chronic therapy, because at some point, that product may not fit the model of an ICER that will qualify to be cost-effective. Well, to me, Robert, it sounds like going back to what we said earlier, there is a legitimacy here. There is a need for us to find and to determine value in therapies and medications. But the way that it's being done now is only limiting and narrows what patients have access to and what we strive for in our, our mission statement as the Global Healthy Living Foundation is to always make sure that patients have the most access to therapies and medications possible. But as always, want to make sure you get the last word in here. What should folks know about these regulatory or suggestive or organizations. Connor, there are already concerns about the methodology of some of these research techniques, right? Because we know, for example, they are legitimate research techniques, but defining quality, for example, is a very difficult situation, especially for a patient who may have multiple diseases. Let's talk about methodology and ability to be able to come up with the right number. That by itself is problematic. But the bigger problem is that these 
tools were never intended to be utilized for coverage decisions. And that's the bigger problem with that. How are they going to be applied in making coverage decisions for patients who are in need of these therapies? We need to provide even greater scrutiny concerning these models and how they're applied and they make coverage decisions for life-saving biopharmaceuticals. And regarding the application, these things were never meant to be the sole arbiter. Most economists who use these type of tools only use it as a guidepost and not the only data point with regards to making decisions. Thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. We sincerely hope that you've learned something. We'd love to hear from you. Please send an email or an audio clip to healthcarematters at ghlf.org. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. We invite you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest five-star rating and write a positive review. It'll help more people like you find people like us. And wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, or the rest, click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. As always, he's Dr. Robert Popovian. And he's Connor Mertens. Hope to see you guys all next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.